All right, Justin, I warned you, you're about to get probably the most difficult podcast leadoff question I've ever asked you. Oh, God. So, Justin, how about them cowboys? <laughs> Man, I, how could you do this? How could you do this? There are lines that we're not supposed to cross. <laughs> and, and I don't know how do the this. fuck that was one of them. And you go and do this. You cross the line, man. That's that's way over the line. Way over the line, man. Take there's, it back. There's nothing, Apologize. There's nothing off limits for this segment of the podcast. It was a simple question, Justin. How about dim cowboys? Oh, no. I can't answer that. Exactly. I'm not going to answer it. You can't. <laughs> you can't. I'm not gonna and I thought it was very fitting for this movie, Justin, because I feel like you have a weird love-hate relationship with dim boys, <laughs> just like Katarina Stratford does towards, what's his name, Peter? And it always seemed like a weird name at the end of this movie where you hate all these things about him, but then what you hate the most is that you don't hate them. Patrick, by the way. That's right, Patrick. Yeah, I, I it's could, still a dumb name. I could think of ten things I hate about you right now. <laughs> and that's fine, Justin, because I bet you I could you could name probably like fifty seven things you hate about dim boys. Uh oh. Don't use the terms of endearment to ridicule them. It's just not right. <laughs> but Justin, it's dim boys. <laughs> <sighs> It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it is. All right, Heather. Now your turn. What is a song that you hate that you love it? Kind of like how Justin hates that he loves the Cowboys right now. A song that I hate that I love. Ooh. Um, I hate that I love. Oh, man. That's a tough question. Um, I feel like there's got to be one. Man. I can't think of one off the top of my head that I'm like, I'm ashamed that I love this song. Hmm. I mean, Justin was going to oh. by default take a loss because there's just no way he wasn't going to take a loss by that question. And I'm surprised I think I found one. he didn't pick up that I wasn't actually going to ask him to sing a song because I never said that. I always said question. Uh-huh. But Heather, so you, you think you thought of one? I think so. Yeah. Okay. What is it? Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to mess no, around. That's a good song. Da-na. That is a good song. But they, mm. it's so Catchy. overplayed. And it's so <laughs> like, it's a troll song, but I, I hate that it's a troll song, but I love the song. I mean, I get hating that it's a troll song because it's an amazing song. Rick Astley yes. kills it. <laughs> he does. I hate that I love it, though, because then it's like. It it always gets stuck in my head, and it just, I don't know. I, I hate that I love it, but I do love it. All right, well, Heather gets a win. Yay. Justin uh, gets to pull the Cowboys and take that loss. If it makes why you, did they lose to the Browns? And especially the way they did. I was talking to somebody, and that two-point conversion, like or that blocked extra point that became a two-point conversion for Cleveland, like... <laughs> Dallas made a great defensive play and yet gave the Cleveland Browns more points. I think was just the most fitting thing ever for that game. Oh, because it was just, 
If you took that game and distilled it down to one play, that is the play that just perfectly sums up everything the Cowboys did in that game. They tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it didn't even matter. Oh, no. And on that note, after I've completely crushed Justin's soul, let's play the theme music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and the Cowboys lover himself, Justin. And I must apologize, I am slightly under the weather. I do have a cold. It's not anything that serious. It is just a regular cold, but it does make me sound a little, little nasally today, so I do apologize for that. But... We are continuing on with the series we have been kind of running mostly, which is our essential movies. And today we are doing one off of Heather's list. We are doing the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, which if you couldn't tell earlier by me using that against Justin ever so cleverly, if I do say so myself, and we will talk about what we like, didn't like and everything in between with that movie. We will start spoiler-free, give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-central section with a time code saying when that starts in the episode description below. So, first and foremost, Heather, it's your movie. Tell us about 10 Things I Hate About You. So, this is one of those movies that kind of defines my growing up because I watched it so many times. I remember when I very first saw it and it was in theaters. I just, I remember every detail about this movie because I've seen it so much, but I also remember that Kat Stratford, who Julia Stiles plays was the first character that I was ever like, I want to be that character. She was just so cool. She didn't care what anybody thought. She was just doing what she wanted to do. And she just had no apologies for who she was as a person. And it was awesome. And for me, growing up, that was a huge role model type of character. And so I loved it. I loved her character and I loved her in it. And I've always been a very big Julia Stiles fan anyway. Um, again, just watching so many of her movies when I was younger, like she was definitely one of my favorite actresses. Um, and she's still great. She doesn't do as much, unfortunately, but she's still great. So I was already like wanting to watch it because I love Julia Stiles, but yeah, just this whole cast of people and the characters they play and the dynamics between them is so good. It's just everybody really brings it and they really give you this like this feel that they all are high school mates or relatives or any of that they they just do so good at playing off of each other and just it's just so well done to me and I can't not mention how much I love the soundtrack it's probably like my favorite movie soundtrack of all time 
It's so good. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a fun, you know, obviously it's supposed to be like a modern day take on Taming of the Shrew. Um, but it's just very well done. Like I am a sucker for like high school movies anyway, you know, high school romance, whatever type of movies, but this is by far the best one. And Heath Ledger also is just, you know, he brings it and his chemistry with Julia Stiles is just so good. And I think they do so great together. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his best friend in the movie, you know, just everybody has a great connection with who they're supposed to be really mainly pairing against in this movie. And yeah, I mean, it's not like a surprising type of story. It's nothing too complicated or anything like that. But just how the story's told, it's not too long. It's well-paced. Um, I actually would love it to be longer, but it's a well-paced movie. It's super funny. It's super quotable. It's, um, yeah, it's just a feel-good movie. And if I just want like a funny rom-com, I'm going to put this one on. So yeah, I love this movie. Justin, what about you? So um, I don't know how I missed this movie or didn't really see it, but um, I, I think I missed this one. Whoa. Um, out of all of those teen comedies that came out, and I've seen quite a few of them. I mean, She's All That, American Pie. I mean, I've seen quite a few of these, and somehow – this one, I don't know how I didn't see this one. Really? Um, this was your first time? Yeah. Cause like, what? and I thought I had seen it, but no, I started watching it and, and, and I even thought, and I think so you just have a tendency to lump all of those movies together and you assume yeah. you saw, it, but yeah, but after, um, but as soon as the movie started, I was like, I don't remember this. And then I was trying to remember events and I was like, I don't, I don't think I saw this one. Like I really don't. I probably just because it's so popular, I'm sure I've seen it on top tens. I'm sure I've seen clips. Like there were parts that were vaguely familiar, but I don't think I saw the, the whole movie. Um, and, and what helped me also draw that conclusion is that I did like this. I really liked this. So I was like, nah, if I saw it, I would have remembered <laughs> liking it or yeah. uh, appreciating it because it is better than a lot of those like movies that were coming out. It's definitely better than a lot of those movies. Like she's all that and stuff like that. And of course, you know, you, you got clueless. That's kind of way up there. And then you've got, but I think that this is one of the, after seeing it, this is one of the upper echelon, uh, teen, rom-com movies like this. I, I really think this movie is very clever. I, I, I think it was just very cleverly written. And that's the best thing I can say about it. Like, uh, sure. Um, you understand that it's a, it's a teen rom-com. And of course there are going to be stereotypes and things like that. There are going to be some events and you can kind of see what the, who the film sets up and you kind of have an idea of how these people are going to wind up together and stuff like that. But what I think the triumph of the movie is, is the way that it does things. You know, it has 
similar ingredients, familiar ingredients, but it just had a very witty way of getting to the the resolutions in this movie that I appreciated. There were things that happened that I didn't really expect to happen. And I was like, man, this is like they took kind of some chances with this and I appreciated it. Um, and then, of course, I can understand why a lot of these actors become stars because you can see it in this like the stars, the 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 to be stars because they weren't stars yet when this came out, but they all help to elevate this material. They all bring sort of an energy and you can kind of see why directors, why fans, why people saw so much potential in people like Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Julia Stiles. You, you just see it. You know, it just, it the energy just oozes all over the screen with this movie. And so I, I understand now why th- this is held in such high regard. And, you know, without... Uh, getting too spoilery about it but but that's the best thing I can say about it sometimes these movies for me is all about the journey it's not so much whether or not I can predict that I can predict the events or I know kind of what I think is probably going to happen or the realizations that I think the characters are going to have these movies are all about how you get there and I think it not only has a strong main cast but even the supporting cast the 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 father Julius Styles is fa- the the two sisters. Their father in this, he love had some bright. Yeah, he had some great bright moments in this movie, and in the best movies I've seen like this, that that also really shines too. Sometimes we, you know, in movies like this, I think the supporting cast, if they're usually strong, the movie typically is a stronger movie, you, you know, and you think about some of the best ones, Booksmart had very strong supporting members in it, beside those main characters, like Easy A had very strong supports, besides uh, the main character's performance, so this is another movie that I think just had so strong supports like even though they got a little bit they always got a witty line or they got a funny moment or they got something memorable so even when you didn't see much of them they still stood out when they got scenes and so I think that that really is the triumph of this movie and I think it's all really just embodies what the script was which was very witty it was very well paced um, it doesn't lag too much though it does a bit in the middle um but but not enough for it to be a deal breaker so yeah i thought that overall this is a very enjoyable movie and uh and i'm sad that i missed this i should have saw this uh when it came out but now you know uh i'm glad that i finally got to see it because i appreciate it now all right just i'm a little shook (laughs) but i mean at the same time I, i i mean i guess i understand it uh, all it means is when you were younger, you just didn't hang out with enough white girls because you would have seen <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe not. You would have. Maybe not. It was kind of true. It's it that's it. It was a rite of passage. If you had a bunch of white girlfriends, you watch this at least once every two months. <laughs> okay, that's probably why then. <laughs> or if you were a white girl, in my case, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I had two younger sisters, so that's, it was constantly playing in our fucking house. 
uh, <laughs> I have noticed that because, you know, we do have our lists. You know, we I have access to our lists. And I do think it's slightly funny that a lot of movies on Heather's list are movies I kind of exo facto grew up on growing up in a family full of white women. <laughs> hmm. And it makes it makes sense. Yeah. And so this is this is on that list of shit you see when you live with white women. It's <laughs> and I do agree with you, Justin, as far as these late 90s, early 2000s teen rom coms, this is kind of in that upper echelon of them. I personally don't count Clueless in that because Clueless to me plays more like a satire with romantic comedy elements in it than mm. to be a true teen oriented rom-com. Um, but this would probably I can, be, I can see that. Yeah. And it, you know, it's as much as it's mocking that culture, it also fully embraces it uh, to me. And I know this is going to sound crazy to people, but clueless to me was a very early version of something like Shaun of the dead, where it makes fun of the tropes of the zombie movie culture and all this other stuff but at the same time goes with it and embraces it fully and with great attention to detail and great reverence. And I kind of feel like they do that with with clueless with like that Valley girl culture. They're making fun of it the whole time, but they are also fully embracing it and showing that that within itself has depth. Sorry. We're not here to break down clueless, but, uh, (laughs) I will say this is the number two of those teen rom-coms to me. My number one is Can't Hardly Wait with Ethan Embry. Yeah, and it's a good one. And Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'm yeah. sorry. It's yeah. got Jennifer Love Hewitt in it. You got me. I'm one of the few people, I think, in the history of humanity that has actually seen every episode of Ghost Whisperer. And I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I didn't do it because I was a fan of the show. I am a Jennifer Love Hewitt fan and I will never apologize for that. And tonight when I go to sleep, I will probably not even watch law and order. And I will now probably watch ghost whisper because I, I can't not now, but that's also neither here nor there. Cause we are talking about 10 things I hate about you. I do agree with you guys as the fact that there are a lot of elements in this that are smarter than a lot of the other ones. I do have a few issues with it and a lot of it has to do with the time period that this movie embraces. I could watch a movie from the 1940s and I don't feel like that movie is dated, but then I could watch this and it feels so fucking dated with just the way it looks, the way people talk, the soundtrack. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, it's because I directly remember this time point in history. Yeah. Like I can directly relate within my own lifetime. This was 20 something years ago. Whereas the 1940s or 1960s, that's before my lifetime. I know when it is compared to my lifetime. I know when it is compared to right now, but I don't have that actual feeling of how long ago it was. And so maybe that's where aspects of this movie really like every time I watch this, like it's, you know, obviously because of the way time passes, it's always further away from when this movie was made and I feel it, 
every time. Now, I will say this. I thought I remembered more jokes that would not be appropriate now in this movie than are actually in it. And because a lot of uh, a lot of movies and TV shows from that time period, they loved making like weird racial jokes or weird homophobic jokes that nowadays we would not do. And I, and I could have sworn I remembered some in this movie, but I feel like they kind of skirted along it a little bit, but never actually like went there. And for that, honestly, I will say kudos to this movie because that is something that kind of does help movies like this have some, some sustainability nowadays that you can watch this and not really have to apologize for anything in this movie per se. Kind of like what you have to do with the movie we talked about off my list with Trading Places. There are some things in that movie that do not age well at all when it comes to racial humor, especially. And, you know, so with that movie, it is kind of like you're watching it with a grain of salt. And I... Like I said, I thought I remembered certain aspects like that in this movie and rewatching it for this episode. I was pleasantly surprised that we didn't have that. So it kind of actually makes it then a little bit more endearing because you don't have to worry about some of those things. Uh, I will say this. There is an actress in this movie who is in a couple of other one of these types of movie but her name is Susan May Pratt. In this movie, she plays Mandela, which that's a crazy-ass name for this woman to play, but she was the woman (laughs) obsessed with Shakespeare. And I'm not going to lie. I love her more in, what is it, uh, Drive Me Crazy Mm -hmm. with Melissa Joan Hart. And uh, what's that guy's name? Adrian something? Uh, The guy from Entourage? Yes, that guy. Um, Because in that movie, she plays the manipulative bitch. And she is amazing at that role. I Yeah, that's true. She is my favorite character in that movie. And I'm just kind of sad that she's just the weird Shakespearean girl in this movie. And it just makes me sad because I know what she can do. And I just don't get in this. Uh, I do agree with you guys uh, with Larry Miller's performance as the dad, especially because he also plays one of my favorite reoccurring criminal slash villains in the original law and order series. He's actually in three episodes playing the same character uh, twice as a criminal one who they couldn't convict in one episode and they try to convict him of a, a crime in a second episode. Then he actually appears again later in a third episode playing the same character, but they get rid of the fact that he uh, was a murderer for that episode And it's just, I love it. I love him. He's amazing. And I agree with you, Justin, when you were talking about the supporting characters in movies like this, I think a lot of what makes movies like this good are the parental relationships that you get to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when you bring up easy, a, those are two of the best parents. Oh my gosh. In movie history. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about Larry Miller in this movie is well, yes, he is kind of that overbearing dad. He is also not the overbearing dad that is so overbearing 
that it's his overbearingness that causes a problem per se. Like he goes too far, you know, it's where he pushes his kids away so far that they end up in trouble or something where you get that in a lot of movies right. with this type of relationship. It's because he does so with so much heart and they know it because they know why he is that concerned all the time because their mother left them and they know that part of the reason why their dad is the way he is, is because their mother just walked out on him and them and they are all he has left. So they, they, they understand it completely. They hate it. Yeah. They fight with him about it. Well, one of the characters does not both, uh, but they fight about it. And I mean, I guess cat does a little bit too, but he even sees like himself without them having to point out something or anything like that. He sees himself like how far he's pushing them with his strictness, how if he keeps on that path, he will push them away and it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. He sees that himself and corrects his behavior without needing that. Oh yes. That enlightening moment. And, and that's why he feels like such an authentic, caring father. Yeah. Which really sets such a strong foundation for this movie. And I mean, it really does. It goes back to like you were saying, Justin, it's, 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 you know, the parents in easy a it's the dad and clueless who is also another great character actor, just like Larry Miller. Mm. Uh, yep. And I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head, but he was also in Adam's family. He played uh, Lewis Tully in that. God, why can I remember that? But I can't remember his actual name. And I am saying all that out loud so I can look it up on IMDb. Very Dan Hedaya uh, was is the actor in that. Um, but he he seems like a slightly controlling father at times. But he also he, he's got that heart to him, you know, and you get to see that him and Cher and that have a very strong relationship. And so when you see those scenes in a movie, I and especially like this, because how many movies like this is it that constant teen angst fighting with parent type of shit that you don't get to see yeah. any of the familial love actually exist? Yeah. And you think and, about she's all that as well has that. Yeah. And and this movie has it. And I think that that's always it's those little touches that make going on this journey, like Justin was saying with these characters that much more interesting and that much easier to do. Uh, another one. And I, I, this might be a little weird. It's also, and I think why that movie works better than most is also princess diaries because I like the relationship she has with her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good relationship. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. And it's so it's, it's just that reoccurring theme of if you're going to do a movie like this, have that good relationship there. And I know that that might be a cinematic thing. Cause trust me, family relationships can be fucked real fast, but it just makes it, it makes going on this journey easier because it adds, it adds depth to the characters and they don't feel as shallow. And it just kind of really helps engross your audience in the movie. Uh, final thing, I guess I will talk about, is I always forget that Alice and Janney is in this movie. Yeah. And it's just really kind of crazy now that she played this 
small, very, very small bit character in this movie. Now she's so beloved. And Academy Award winning. Yeah. And just, you know, everybody loves her now. And it's it's funny because you can see a lot of her, her uh, like the characters and stuff she does, you can see that in this. And I mean, oh, it yeah. kind of reminds me like when growing up, I, I mean, I guess I was around middle school age when this movie came out. And, you know, you see, you see these kids in high school and you hear the way they talk and all this other stuff. And I was like, Nobody ever actually talks like that in high school. High school kids don't say shit. Like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I got into high school. If you can't tell by now the type of language I use on a constant basis, I did not develop this in my late 20s, early 30s. No, no, no. This is how I've been talking since high school. So I was like, I was like, it's one of those things like watching movies like this. You're like, oh, no, yeah, high schoolers did say shit. I said a lot worse things than that. Like, it's just funny, like, juxtaposing myself from whenever I originally saw movies like this and thinking it was crazy that people talked like that to now, like, or when I was in high school. And I realized, like, oh, no, that that's actually accurate. And then, like, you would watch movies like this and you're always wondering, like, how did they get all this alcohol? Like, how could they do things like that? And then you get into high school and then you realize, oh, no, kids can actually get that shit. And it's not as hard as it w- it would seem when you are of a vastly younger age and it was just kind of watching this movie kind of just like made me flash back to times like that. And it's just kind of interesting to like actually think about like what you're, what you thought high school would be like and then versus what the movies portrayed it to be. And then what it actually was like, yes, there's obviously drastic differences. No one in high school actually looks as good as anybody in a movie in high school, but (laughs) It's still, it's just one of those things that it's, it's those weird little mind fucks that watching something like this can get you in. And it's fun. I like it. Yeah. Cause uh, sadly there's no like Patrick Verona or Heath Ledger in high school. Sad day. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I look just like that long flowing locks and everything. Oh yeah. Yep. Even had the Australian accent as all good day, mate. And all that shit in high school. <laughs> That's that is uncanny that accent yeah he's all good day mate want to go on a date <laughs> i sadly sound just like the guy off the fucking outback at, like commercials back in the day <laughs> yeah come down to outback and get shrimp on the barbie for only <laughs> 9.99 i mean if that's what you sounded like in high school then you know maybe you got maybe you got people convinced that you were foreign Oh, yeah. And you, I mean, you just ask anybody in high school, just long flowing locks. Justin? Justin <laughs> you didn't know did, him in high school, right? No, Justin did know me in high school. He wasn't in high school, but I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, because when you started, you were what? When you started at the movie theater, what were you? 16, 17, somewhere in there. I was 16, almost turning 17 when I started there. Okay, yeah. Long flowing locks and all. I actually did have fairly long hair at that time. Uh, yeah, he did have hair. It wasn't long flowing locks. Uh, Justin actually only knew me with hair for about three months because it was it was yeah. March. It was March uh, after I started. So I started in November of that year. And then I met Justin around Christmas time of that year because he was home over Christmas break from college. And during the second semester during spring breaks when I shaved my head. So Justin knew me with hair for like technically, I guess, five months. Yeah. Caught a glimpse of the locks, so to speak. 
And it, I mean, they weren't locks. I had longer hair, but it was very thin, very shitty hair. It looked like straw. It was garbage. And that's why I got rid of it. But I sounded just like him. Good night, mate. I'm in high school. <laughs> I was in Milwaukee with my grandfather. Oh, I really lost it on grandfather. I could not say that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but to be fair, yeah, no, I don't. I, I've got nothing to say to that. I was going to try to make like some comeback, but I'm not the hugest <laughs> fan of Julia Stiles. So that's like not even a hit. Like, yeah, well, no one looked like Julia Stiles in high school. And I'm like, yeah, there was like 20 bitches that looked like Julia Stiles in high school. So I mean, <laughs> that means nothing. To, to be fair, though, to your point, Heather, you are absolutely correct. No one looked like Heath Ledger in high school. Right. Uh, so, all right, let's uh, do recommendations and scores. Justin, go. Uh, yeah, I recommend the movie, especially if you're somebody who likes uh, this the, this genre of movies, if you're um, a rom-com person and this is kind of what uh, you gravitate towards and if you're somehow like me and have missed this one, uh, I definitely recommend it because it is a good film. I mean, not even just a good rom-com. I think it's just a good movie. Like everyone has said here, it's well-written. It uh it it, it it could fall into a lot of traps and pits and stuff, but most of the time it avoids those things or it embraces those things in a witty way to where you appreciate what the movie's doing. So that that is the mark of a good film. So, yeah, I can definitely uh, recommend this. I can understand why uh, it made Heather's uh, list. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm in agreement that this is a good film. Um, and I think it's a solid B, man. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it is definitely one of the upper echelon uh, teen movies like this. So for that, I can give it a B. I'm going to give it 80 um, surprise Shakespearean style dresses with love notes attached to go to prom out of 100. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I mean, of course, I recommend it. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a go-to for me. I've been watching it for years. Um, it's it's just a really fun film, and it's witty. And I do like the point that Sterling made about it kind of, I mean, the the era or the time period in which it is in, that doesn't age well. But the fact that there, there's not a lot of the jokes that you're you're thinking, oh, this is super outdated and it's super offensive now and things like that. I do also appreciate that about this film. So I thought that was a really good point you made. And yeah, I mean, it's just everybody in this movie really brings it. There's no bad acting really in this movie. Um, everybody just the, the character they're supposed to be. They really do it well. Um, and then, yeah, also like like you guys were saying, Larry Miller is low-key one of my favorites in this movie like he just is so funny to me as the dad but yeah everybody really i mean side characters main characters everybody is really so good and so enjoyable in this film and yeah i, I totally recommend it it's fun um and it's not one of those where you know you i mean you can just i i think kind of at any age i feel like you can really enjoy this movie i mean i'm watching it you know, 20 years after it came out and I still enjoy it. And, you know, sometimes every now and then I'll catch myself like finding things in it that I didn't notice before. 
And so, yeah, I think that means that it's a pretty well-made movie. Um, yeah, it's just got really good humor, very witty. It pulls off the jokes very well. And I definitely recommend it. I'm going to give this movie 90 Bogey Lowenstein throwing parties of the year um, out of nowhere and unexpectedly out of 100. As dated as this movie is. And I do disagree a little bit with Heather and Justin about some of the jokes and stuff like that. While, yes, they don't go the routes that most movies did do then, some of them are just still rough from just a comedic perspective to me. And one thing that I will never understand about this movie is what the fuck were they playing that they were calling paintball? Because that game fucking weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I think one of the funniest things about this movie to me is actually the deleted scenes they show during the credits when yeah. they're filming those scenes that are like at the prom and they do it without the music. So it's like all these people and you just hear the feet shuffling as they all fake dance to no music. <laughs> yeah. These people say their lines and I don't know why I just get a huge kick out of that. And it's just so it, it's just so funny. I mean, they do the same thing for the party where you just see all these people dancing and there's no music and you just hear the people reading their lines and messing them up because it's the bloopers reel or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's just really funny. I'm glad they added that. That's, that's one of my favorite things when they do in credits is the blooper reels. Yeah. Love it. Uh, but I mean, for its flaws though, I still like, I, I said earlier and I do agree with both of you too. It's still that top tier. This is an S tier teen rom-com from the late 90s early 2000s like which i feel like do they still make those do they still make those full-on teen rom-coms because i feel like the ones they make nowadays they make for people that grew up on these like the kissing booth yeah on netflix yeah. doesn't feel like it's made for teenagers as much as much as it's made for millennials that grow up on this shit uh but i mean I as, see that as far as the ones that like we were considering for this like from from which this birthed itself that late nineties, early two thousands teen rom-com era. This is it's up there. It really is. I mean, it was one Jennifer love Hewitt away from being top. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes, literally, but it is good. And I don't know how much it ties into taming of the shrew. I've never actually fucking read it. Uh, so I don't know. But overall, I'll, I, I'm kind of more in the Justin camp on this. Like an 81, uh, 81 drummers at the end of the movie playing on a rooftop, not actually playing the part of the song that is playing out of 100. <laughs> you would notice that. I would. Because I'm like, oh, that's a good, you know, a hi-hat beat. And he's all like dancing around on a crash cymbal or a ride cymbal at one point. Like, that's not what the fucking song is. And it's just <laughs> obvious he's doing it because nobody's going to stop him. Like, they're not actually playing up on the roof. They're, you know, it's like a music video. They're, they're, they're fake playing to, you know, just the song being played as they film it. And yeah, so that drummer knew what he's doing. And I kind of loved it. So spoilers. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right, Heather, it's up to you. Do you want to go first or last? Um, I can go first on this one. Oh, killing me. All right, go. 
What? You, I, I think last time I let someone else go first. Yeah, it's me. If you don't let me go first, then I go last. And I just don't know how you guys do it. But it's too um. late now. Go. <laughs> so, like we said, I mean, again, there's not a whole lot really like oh my gosh, this twist moment or anything like that, really, in this movie. There are some things that you might not expect, like Jason was saying, but there's nothing that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was the craziest ending and the craziest thing I've ever seen. So, but that being said, I really do, um, I really do just want to talk a minute to about, like I was saying before, the dynamics between the characters, I mean, the dad, Larry Miller, with the daughters was it really felt like they were a family. The two sisters that just didn't get along and fought about everything and were completely opposite. And then the dad who's trying to just keep them safe, but, you know, has like his own individual relationships with them and just kind of being a cheesy dad. Like, you know, he has those cheesy dad moments, but you love it because like Sterling said, it has so much heart with it. And it's just funny. I mean, the scene when he's on top of the roof and he's talking with uh, Bianca about the prom, that is so funny to me when he's like exercising and he's like trying to use all this like cool hip lingo and he has like no idea what he's talking about. It's so funny to me. Um, Yeah, he's like all those damn Dawson's Rivers kids sleeping in each other's beds. It's just so funny because it's totally something that a dad would say. Um, It's just I I love that. But and and also just the dynamic between um, Kat and Patrick, Heath Ledger's character, also really solid. Like, I just think their chemistry is really, really top notch because, I mean, she's sassy and she's snarky. And all these things. And he's kind of a snarky, you know, I don't care about anything type of person too. But they just, they're different, but they're kind of the same. And just how they play off of each other is so well. And just how their story develops, it makes sense. It doesn't feel like necessarily they really fall for each other out of nowhere. You see it coming, but it's because of their chemistry that you you completely see that that's going to happen. There are movies like this where you're like, that feels out of nowhere. It feels like there's no way that would jump from point A to point B like that. But with this movie, I feel like you really can tell and you, it makes sense with how they, they play the characters and just their, their chemistry together. You, you're not surprised or you're not upset at the fact that they really hit it off so well. Um, and then even, um, Cameron, who is Joseph Gordon Levitt with Bianca was, it was cute I will say I'm not a huge Bianca fan. Like, I think her character is actually really bratty and annoying, which I think is kind of the point. But even to the it's more so to where there's not really much about her that I'm like rooting for. Even in the moments when you're kind of rooting where you're supposed to root for her. I'm really not because she's just kind of annoying and a little too bratty for my taste. But I do like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, but mostly... I like his dynamic with um, his, I guess, what you would call best friend or his new friend that he made, um, you know, when he came to the new school, who is, oh, what is his name? Give me a minute. Something Crumholtz. Uh, David Crumholtz is his name. Um, yeah, he, he, I loved his character because he, you could tell he is, he's not a popular guy, really. He's kind of like that 
you know, I guess what you would call like part of the, the nerdy loser type crowd, but he's witty and he's smart and he has a little bit of a confidence to him that makes him kind of stand out above just like your standard nerdy, whatever character. But I just like him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's dynamic together is really good too. They just really play a good pair of pals, you know, just kind of doing what they do. And then, um, Andrew Keegan as like the douchebag popular guy is a little too perfect. (laughs) He does it so well, but just every, everybody really, it just, it's not even just individually their characters. It's really how the people that they're supposed to be really sharing screen time with, they share it so well and everybody just is so good together. And it is interesting too, because there's a lot of moments when, certain characters that are main don't really share screen time. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't really share screen time with Julia Stiles in this movie until the very end in like one scene, you know, and then Heath Ledger and um, Alyssa Olenek or whatever her name is, they don't share screen time until towards the end, but you still get the sense that, you know, they all go to this school together. Their characters are connected in some way. And yeah, it's just really good. Um, and I also like, like I was saying, Julia Stiles' character in general is just, she's one of those characters that I just loved growing up. I was just like, man, she's so cool because she really just is herself. And I don't know why, but I just always, they always stood out to me as like a character that I'd, of somebody that I was like, I want to be like her, you know? Um, I mean, that's a little different now because I'm just not the same type of person as her, but in general, just her, her, the way that she carried herself and the way that she was in this movie, I just really appreciated it at the time. And, um, and I just, I did like, um, that moment towards the end when, you know, when she's talking to her sister about why she doesn't like the popular guy and, you know, just talking about how like the whole reason that she doesn't like him and the whole reason that she doesn't care to be popular anymore is because, of people like that popular guy who are like the only, they only care about what they want and they don't really basically just they're superficial people. And that's kind of like what made her decide she was just going to be herself and didn't care about if she was popular or not. And I just liked that story arc because it, it was just nice to have it because instead of it just being like, I don't know, I just don't want to be popular anymore. I just got sick of it. Like her sister thought she really was just like, kind of hurt by the whole being popular thing. And I just liked that story arc that she had and her reason for why she didn't like this guy that she hated so much. So yeah, I mean, it was just very well done. You know, it gave her a little bit more of depth and, and that was just a really good moment between them as sisters too. So I don't know. It just has really good moments in it where, you do feel the heart. I like that saying that you said earlier, Sterling, like you just, you feel the heart in a lot of these characters and, and what they're saying and what they're doing and stuff like that. And I mean, they're teenagers too. So sometimes they're just being stupid and they do want to just be popular, but you get these little deeper moments like this one. And I, it was, it was done well. They, they pull it off. Well, it doesn't feel cheesy and it doesn't feel out of place. And they pull it together well with everything else going on in the movie, which I appreciate too. So yeah, there's just, I don't know. And then also like we were talking about Alice and Janney as the, she's the principal, right? I think that was her character. 
um, who's like writing she's, the. She's a guidance counselor. Guidance counselor. That's right. Or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, guidance. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I loved her too because she's like, <laughs> she's so random. And there are some moments in this and some scenes where you're like, this is never actually going to fly. Like how she's talking to Heath Ledger when he comes into her office, you know, kind of being a little inappropriate and stuff like that. That's not going to fly. And then the, the detention scene when she just completely decides to flash him yet she doesn't get in trouble at all. <laughs> like, you know, it just lets that go and she doesn't get in trouble for the flashing a teacher and a, a room full of kids. So it just, there's moments where you're like, oh yeah, that's just never going to be the case. That's never going to happen. But even still, it was funny and it was humorous and it served its specific purpose in the movie. Um, yeah. And I just also really like the scene that you were talking about with like the paintball type thing but it was like balloons or whatever it was a really cute scene i really liked that scene a lot it really just shows their connection and all of that and also of course you know heath ledger with his whole you know moment of trying to win her back with his singing and all of that and that was a really endearing and charming scene and um this is i think this is probably heath ledger at his most charming I mean, he's played a lot of different characters and it's not by any means like his like greatest performance ever or anything like that. But I think it's probably him at his most charming and he just pulled it off really well. And he was a really just a really good, like solid character. So honestly, the thing that makes me love this movie the most is the characters. They really pull it off. If you had different people doing these roles, or if you had this written in a different way for these characters, it would not have worked nearly as well as it does. And I really just think that that's what drives the movie. So that's why I love it so much. All right, Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with um, a lot of those uh, same sentiments that Heather had. And yeah, that scene with uh, Julia Stiles, and her sister that that to me was de- that scene where they're talking and then um she kind of or cat Ju- the the person that julia plays in this kind of reveals why she feels that way about the popular kid and everything like that and they had a former relationship i thought that that was just a very important scene like like you said because that explained why she was the way she was. It explained her actions. And then it also kind of explained why she was acting that way towards her sister. And the fact that she thought that by being that way, she was protecting her sister. So she wasn't kind of forthcoming with the entire truth about that situation. And she thought that by doing that, she was protecting or helping her sister. And so then you have to have that truth moment. But I really enjoyed that, not only because of the character development, but then it also helps you understand why she was able to forgive Heath Ledger's character because even though he kind of was misleading and everything like that there 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 was and then kind of changed in the middle of that he actually fell for the person he was supposed to be just setting up um 
I think that kind of also helps their dynamic because now you can understand why she was able to look past that. You know, she wasn't this perfect character that wasn't that also that just was perfect. And so then for her to forgive Heath Ledger, that kind of put them on an even playing field, even though what you could argue Heath Ledger's character, what he did was uh, was obviously worse. But that put them on a similar wavelength. There was some untruths and then there had to be some truths that both of the characters have to face with other characters in this. So I thought that that balanced them both very well when it all comes together at the end. And that's just one example of what I mean by this was very smartly written because normally that kind of continuity, that kind of balance is missing in movies like this that are bad. You know, you just don't get some of those dynamics uh, as well done as that. But they were able to do do it here. Um, another thing that I appreciated about her sister, uh, Bianca, is that I kind of, you know, you kind of knew that when this started out that, you know, she was going to go for the asshole guy, but you, you were kind of thinking that uh, Gordon Levitt's character was going to wind up getting her at the end. But what was a surprise to me was how that happened. And, and and that was, to me, one of the bigger surprises that I actually enjoyed in this mm-hmm. because, you know, you just expect it just watching movies like this. You just expect all of that to kind of happen at the end, you know, at the end where we're going to wrap everything in a nice bow and the right people are going to wind up with each other and then the movie's going to end. And they didn't yeah. quite do that with this. Like, I want to say in the middle or towards the end of the second act. Uh, Bianca realizes that she doesn't want uh, the model Joey on her own. You know, at that that date happens. They're at that party and she kind of comes to that conclusion herself. And that was a little refreshing. You know, it didn't have to be all of these moments and it did, what did, really didn't have to be Gordon Levitt pulling all these strings and doing all these things. She just kind of was like, well, damn, this guy only cares about himself. And she just kind of made that realization on her own. So, you know, you got the sister over here trying to protect her. You got the father thinking she needs all this protected. But what I thought was cool is that she just chose the right guy pretty much herself, you know? And then Hmm. Gordon Levitt definitely helped whenever he came clean in the car and kind of admitted that he liked her and that he had done all these things to try to get closer to her and stuff. And, you know, that was all she needed at that moment because she appreciated that he did what his his admiration for her seemed genuine it seemed like something more real than than anything that joey showed her so i just thought that was very refreshing that she came to those conclusions herself and then what they did at the end was that they kind of patched up the dynamic with her and her sister so i thought those were just two very good good decisions like that this script 
made. So that way they kind of fixed that situation with the sister. So now we can kind of focus on Kat and what's going on with Heath Ledger. So, it, I mean, the decisions that they made and how they kind of placed those arcs within the story was just very well done to me. Like, I can't say enough about how smart that was to do because it just made it feel a little more different than what you're used to with these movies. So that was just another um, very smart decision. Um, and then, uh, and, and then, yes, for all the elements that are dated, there is a timeless quality about Shakespeare. There's just a, a timeless quality about those stories. There's just the way that he does characters, and you often see um, movies kind of take Shakespearean characters and stories and kind of apply them to a more modern setting, which is what which is what they say this was. And I think that's another reason why this felt like a smarter script. And then, you know, they, they pay all types of homages to Shakespeare and they have those little moments in there and those elements in there so that you understand that, yes, this was an homage to to that type of literature. And I think it, it kind of keeps that spirit throughout. And that also helped this uh this just rise above a lot of those movies um, that are like this. And then the last thing I'll say about it is just uh, just very good dialogue and memorable stuff that they had, uh, like with the father, um, Larry Miller. I love that scene kind of towards the end where he's talking with Kat and the whole analogy about how, you know, when a when a father sees their daughters leave and he feels like, you know, he's losing them. And then he went into this analogy about, you know, I used to, you know, you used to uh, let me come to uh, all the games and now I feel like I'm on the bench and I'm just trying to, you know, I just want to be, you know, I just want to play sometimes, you know, I just want to be a part of your life sometimes and, you know, it it could have been corny but I think his delivery and just how genuine he sounded and, and like we've all said, the just the energy and the heart that the, that the, that these actors and actresses brought to this material just elevated it. So I thought that that was very well done just how he went across saying that and then that moment that they had just was a was was a very solid moment and it was funny because the whole time you know uh Oh, and the last thing I'll say is just with the title of this film like the whole time I was sitting there going what why is this called 10 <laughs> things I hate about you? Like I was just, cause you know, I fully expected this to start with some girl narr you know, and a voiceover narration and her going into this 10 list. And then all of it comes to mean something, you know, there's some realization and then the 10 is kind of turned on its head. But I thought it was very cool how they waited till the very end of the movie and the poem she read was the 10 thing. So I just thought that was very cool. Like just more intelligent yeah. stuff from this script. So yeah, I just really appreciated that as well. So yeah, uh, hats there's off to some the great fam. points. Yeah. yeah, really good points. One thing I really didn't like about this movie is the fact that for as much as she was considered like she was supposed to be like a very smart and edgy and like 
literary obsessed, you know, type of person, her comebacks were kind of lame. Like, (laughs) yeah, that is kind of true. I forget what like Joey said to her at one point, but she's just like, oh, what's that? Is it your hairline receding? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a real big hit on somebody that's 18 and obviously has a full (laughs) head of hair. Like, what is that? Especially when later in the movie, she says he has a small dick and she knows from personal experience. Why the fuck didn't she use that against him then? (laughs) That's very true. And he's like, oh, or like when Heath Ledger's like, oh, like, what do you think I'm charming or whatever? And she's like, oh, you affect my up like up chuck reflex or whatever the fuck she says. I'm like, what the fuck is that? See, I actually think her comebacks with Heath Ledger worked because I think their dynamic with that worked really well. Like when he's out by the car, you know, and he's and she's like, I want you. I need you. You know, she's just like making fun of him. OK, that part worked yes. better than everybody else. Yeah, that part did. But I'm talking about like when she's like trying to do those jabs directly at people. I just think they're right. lame. They like I agree. I can agree with that. Yeah, I always feel like what people say to her was worse than her retort like like was more effective was a a good burn more than what she did and no i can agree with that i just think it's a little it just kind of sucks that you know she's all like knows what iamic pantameter is and i know it enough to know it's a thing that shakespeare wrote in i don't remember what the fuck it is at all but like i just remember that it's that but she knows shit like that but She's just such a great wordsmith that she's like, ooh, your hairline's receding. What, bitch? Like, that's like all her comeback <laughs> is. And you're like, ugh, it's so lame. Um, I do feel like the only reason why they had her dance in this movie is because of Save the Last Dance. Uh, I don't think they would have had that whole her dancing on a table thing at all if it wasn't for that. Uh, Which the funny thing is with that, I, I meant to say that too. She's honestly not that good of a dancer like at least not that freestyle dancing i was like she's not that good at least the argument is here that she's supposed to be drunk but also she hits her head on that chandelier thing ever so gingerly just i have hit my head worse than that at least like twice a day like working (laughs) and shit and i've never once come close to a concussion that i know of i mean fuck if i know but like she barely taps it. The thing just moves like a quarter of an inch. It doesn't even make a loud thud. And he's all like, you might be concussed. Like, I don't know. That seemed kind of dumb. Uh, So with like a lot of this stuff, though, that I, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I disagree with you guys about the end of this movie. I think her forgiving him, the like that whole forgiveness scene afterwards, Oh, that just seemed a little quick. Like it just seemed a little like, and we're wrapping it up and we're done. I just, I, <laughs> I didn't of buy it. I didn't buy it. I'm like, he's like, she's just like, Oh, is that for me? And he's all, yeah, some guy, some, some jerk paid me money to take out this real nice girl. And she's like, Oh, smile. And then he's like, yeah, but I fucked up. <laughs> I fell for her. She's like, Oh, is that so smile, smile. I bet. I bet. Like, fuck. Yeah. I feel like I just, too soon. It's still too soon. <laughs> like, I seriously, like that whole thing happened in like, wait, it was like Saturday was the problem and this was Monday at school. Bam. Everything's fixed. No conversations. No nothing. Just like, 
yeah, bitch, bocce guitar. Love me now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I think some of the things that he does in this movie are unhealthy expectations of what, like, somebody who likes somebody does. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character does some of the same things. But, I mean, I'll say this. It's a lot better than a lot of movies like this, though. Like, the weird obsessive things that the guy characters will do to get the attention of the girl. I feel like this one is one of the least offensive of it, but still kind of weird. But I will say this in those scenes with how they did some of it. I actually really appreciated it. Like it's obvious that Heath Ledger's character knows the reputation he has. And a lot of the stuff he does is just to put on that reputation and to kind of keep that going because I like how they were like, Oh, one of her favorite bands is going to be at this bar. He's like, Oh, I can't go there. And they're like, no, you have to, it's your favorite band. You got to go. And he's like, no, I can't be caught dead there. And they're like, no, but you gotta. And then he goes there and the bartender knows him. He's just surprised (laughs) he's there on that night, you know? And I thought that that's a very clever scene in this movie, kind of showing that, like I said, he knows the reputation he has and he kind of just fucks with people to kind of further it. Yeah, that's true. They all think he was in prison for lighting a state trooper on fire. He was in Milwaukee eating (laughs) SpaghettiOs. Right. Like he could easily diffuse it and say the truth. But why? It's much more fun to fuck with people. And I totally respect and get that. (laughs) I do also like how he was like, what, I'm not a pretty guy. Like he was like offended by it. (laughs) That is one of my favorite scenes. And it's because of what Joseph Gordon-Levitt says when he's like, oh, I, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of response is that? Like, I I thought, I I, I didn't know. I didn't know if you were pretty. I, I didn't know. Like, that's just weird. But it kind of it kind of plays into how kind of naive his character is with all that. Like, it, it also plays out the same type of naivety plays out again later when, you know, he's talking to Heath Ledger's character and he's like, no, we, we got to figure this out. You got to get her back. And he's like, why? I thought you were done chasing Bianca. And he was like, oh, well, I was until he kissed. And Heath Ledger's like, where? Or when he says, she kissed me. And he goes, where? And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes, in the car. And Heath Ledger's like, (laughs) yeah, what? Like, what? (laughs) Like, not getting at all what he's saying. Like, he was more or less going, bro, did she kiss your dick? That's what he was asking (laughs) without actually saying it. Uh, I mean, so there are some really, like, funny moments in this. And I, I think it was the scene with the whole... uh oh, you don't think I'm pretty, that I think in my head I was remembering it as something that was more of a homophobic joke. And it truly doesn't come across like that. Like when you actually watch it, like I was misremembering that scene. Uh, and then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, it, it didn't go the places I thought I remembered it going. I will say this, it's there is a very weird scene where a cat flashes a teacher. Right. And that is super weird. Because she also flashes like half the class. And I just, that seems so out of character for that character. You know, I just, I do not buy that at all. And it's also super gross because that's a teacher. Yes. And apparently it was in the time when like nobody wore bras or something because she just did not have one on. 
She was a free spirit, okay? <laughs> so, you know, let her be her. It's fine. But, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. It was still a teacher. I get it. That's California. And also, why does every fucking high school in California look like a goddamn castle? <laughs> it really does. Jastin knows what kind of high schools we went to. They were gi- like big, generic, gray and brown fucking rectangles that were attached to other rectangles that spun yeah, that off into too. other uh, like other rectangles. Basically. I mean, we went to me and Justin did go to two different high schools, but in the same town. They his was more brown and I think ours was more tan or gray. I don't fucking remember. But yeah, it was just one story rectangles. Did did Midland High have a second story? No. Yeah, see, yeah. All a bunch of one story rectangles. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then they're coming out of high school at the end of that movie. It's a fucking castle. That shit was like the fucking castle in Gargoyles. I was expecting Goliath like for the sun to go down and Goliath like break out of the stone and attack some fucking like robbers and shit. Right. And they're all like that. Every fucking every time they show a fucking high school in California, it's a fucking castle. And I'm like, man, like, and I think that's what I was the most disappointed with when I got into high school is there was no castle high schools in Midland, Texas. None. They all just sucked. And all I ever wanted was a castle high school. I just wanted to actually have to fucking climb stairs in high school. Like you could climb a couple, like they had like a couple of little things of stairs in like one of the hallways, but it was like six total stairs. Like that was it. And like, that just kind of sucks. And I'm just still just so sad to this day. I've never been to any school that looks like a castle. That's all I ever wanted. That was the, yeah. Like I haven't the even been to a college that looks like that. Yeah, no, no. <sighs> Maybe one day I'll go to a high school that looks like a castle. Never mind. I shouldn't say that. I'm fucking like 30 something years old. <laughs> I should never say that. And I am sorry. <laughs> I really just want to see one. That's it. I just want to see like in person, a high school that looks like a castle. I just want to walk down the street and go, holy fuck, that's a high school. That's insane. And keep walking. That's all I want. <laughs> um, I mean, I know, Justin, that also you were saying that like William Shakespeare's all timeless and shit like that. But oh, my God, they were so on his dick. Like, and I get it. It's also based off one of his things. But fuck, they were on his dick so hard. It was so annoying. I did like the teacher, though, and his whole like, I know oh, he's a dead white that. guy, but I am so fucking tired <laughs> Of seeing fucking teachers rap to make Shakespeare seem cool. Fuck that noise. Well, not not that specifically. I'm just saying like his whole attitude about, you know, English and about Shakespeare and just how he was with his class. I liked. I mean, sure, I guess. But like, no, I don't want to hear Shakespeare be rapped. I don't want to hear Shakespeare. I'm kind of done with that shit. It's like old. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Like, and it just, like I said, I know it's based off his thing and that's one reason why they were doing it, but oh my gosh, just every chance they got, they were just like, oh, let me gargle some Shakespeare balls real quick. (laughs) Also, did anyone else forget that like Heath Ledger's character was actually in that class with them? Because I mean, I don't think he actually showed up in a scene of that class until that very last scene when she's reading the poem. He does in the beginning. He walks in the class and then he he walks out. He goes, what I miss. And somebody says something and he just goes, okay. And he walks out, but he is in yeah. the, technically in the class. 
Right. It's just I forgot because he wasn't in there for any of the rest of the movie until the end. Well, yeah, because he felt bad and wanted to see Kat. Mm, I see. Okay. And that was the only way he could see her was to actually go to class. Tough times. Yeah. I will say this. One thing I do appreciate about this movie is it's one of the few high school movies like this that you don't have huge long diatribes about going to college. Yes, her going to college does play a small point in this movie, but outside of two conversations, that is it. Yep, that's true. You know, you don't have them like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do or uh, what college am I going to be in or uh, like any of like you don't have any of that shit in this movie. And I really kind of appreciate that because that is very tiresome. And I'm also surprised that like typically in a movie like this, especially back in the day, you'd have the fact that Heath Ledger obviously blows off a lot of school and all this other stuff. Where the fuck is he going to graduate and go to high school or go to college? Like there's no, like there's nothing like that or really anything, you know, close to being a reasonable possibility with what they show of him in this school. And so I appreciate that they didn't have that argument where of like, but you know, you have to think about your future. And he's like, I don't want to. And she's like, no, but you do. And he's like, no, quit making me. And then like later he's all, I come from a broken home and I never thought college was a possibility until I met you. Like nine out of 10 of these movies would have done that. So it is very yeah. refreshing that it didn't do that because I don't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like once I applied to college and, you know, got accepted and shit, like I didn't really talk about it much anymore. You know, like you would talk about it a little bit here and there, but I don't know. Nobody I knew was just like, Oh my God, where am I going to college? I don't know. But what about college? Blah, blah, blah. Like I did. No one I knew was like that. We all kind of just, yeah got accepted or didn't or went to wherever we did it or didn't. And that was kind of it. That's just what we did. So, I mean, I don't know. And I think that, I guess that's what I connect to in this movie is that just nobody gave a fuck. That was nice. But, uh, do you guys have any more thoughts about this movie? I did want to say another scene that I really did like was when they're at the party and Heath Ledger is like trying to take care of Julia styles. And then, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character comes and he's like, hey, I think this whole thing needs to be off. I really just liked that scene between the two of them where he's like, you just feel like he was starting to kind of click and connect and kind of root for for Cameron's character in this. You know, he was like, you know, Joey's not half the man that you are. And if you really want her, then you should have her. You deserve her kind of thing. And I really liked that Um that whole dialogue and that whole scene that they had. I thought that was a really good one too. I, I forgot to bring that up earlier. I get what you're saying. And I think what, with what Heath Ledger says applies to a lot of things in life. What I don't think it applies to is a relationship with another human being because <laughs> you're kind of just negating their choice in any of it or what they want in any of it. And that's a little weird. Yeah. I don't know. I get that. Maybe that's just me. But I just thought that was weird. Like that aspect of it. Like if you want it, go get it. Well, like, yeah, that kind of works. If it's like, I want to save up and buy my dream car. It doesn't necessarily apply to a relationship with another human being. Because it doesn't matter if you want it. If the other person doesn't want it, then you have to let it go. Sorry. 
Which I do get, but is. I guess I, I kind of read it more as like him, him thinking that like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was thinking, I'm not going to beat out Joey for this, you know? And so I think it, I took it more as him saying like, you're a better man than Joey. So you can definitely have this if you want it. But I see what you're saying. It's just, I guess I was taking it more in like a different way with like why he was telling him that, but yours makes sense too. Yeah. And he did say, you're a better man than that guy is. And, you know, you know, why, why are you stopping yourself from trying? I mean, I, I came, I interpreted it as he was just telling him to try, like the plan wasn't working, but don't why give don't up. you just, yeah. Why don't you, why not give up if you haven't even really just even tried to ask her out or tell you, tell yeah. her how you feel and like, don't I, let and Joey that, intimidate you. Yeah. And that and that's what another thing that I kind of liked about how this was written, because it all starts with this big plan. But he really didn't he really didn't uh, get with the sister until he just was, you know, told her the truth about how she felt. And of course, it helped that, you know, the sister realized that the jock was just nothing more than a jock. But it, but but mm. once the plan but but once he kind of just really just came clean about how he felt he you know he got in there he got a shot he got a shot at it um and it kind of is similar with Heath Ledger's thing at first when he was just trying to do what everybody was telling him, you know, cause, cause at first this was a big plan and they were like, okay, well, she likes this, do this. Well, she, you know, d- 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 doesn't like a smoker. So don't do this. And it was all about him trying to shape himself to what they thought she liked, but really when he actually started to, I think, get through the walls that she had put up was when he just started being more of himself, you know, as he started to like her more, more of himself just started to kind of uh, show. And that was what allowed him to kind of really start to appeal to Julia Stiles and it's nuanced. I mean, it's not like they just came out and said that, but you can see it in in their interactions and how and his approach to her changed as well, because he did start to kind of care for. Her. And, it, and I liked how they sprinkled that in there without having to just tell you that's what it was, you know. And no, none of them have to say it. The plan didn't work and all this stuff. You know, you, you didn't have to have this big moment to say that. You just saw it and how he started to interact with her at the beginning versus yeah. how it was when the relationship started to develop. So all that little nuanced stuff, man, that's just another testament to good writing, you know. Oh, I get that. I'm, I'm all about shooting your shot. I get that. I just think some of the words that were used in that part do just be what he's like, well, if you want to go get her. Yes. Because like if she's receptive to it, because at that point in the movie, she wasn't at all. And I do get with what you're saying, Justin, because she wasn't receptive until he was like open, you know, about how he felt towards her. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I do find things like that in movies, just a little cheap when, 
you know, a character has no interest in the other one until the other one says how they feel. And then all of a sudden the other person's like, oh my God, I have feelings now because this person has feelings about me. So I now have feelings about them. I don't know. And that just always feels a little weird to me when they do that in movies. And I, I guess I felt like that was a little bit more of the same of that with Bianca and Cameron. I see that. I see that. I guess I more or less bought it because they were spending time with each other because they were doing the French thing and he was like talking to her more regularly. So, you know, and, and, and every now and then they would have those scenes where he would say, oh, I think you're, uh, you know, I, I think you're what you're doing is good or he would try to encourage her and stuff like that. So I don't know. I guess I just uh, bought it. And maybe it's just Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know, he's just, I'm a fan of his. He's a good actor. So underrated, I think. So I don't know. Maybe I just went with it because it was him. And he just, you know, I thought those scenes came across with him and her, I guess. More than you did, I guess. I get that. So any final thoughts about this movie, guys? Nope. Nope, I'm good. All right, so Heather has an announcement to make that I forgot to bring up earlier. So Heather, your announcement. Yeah, so in a, in an episode earlier, I had mentioned that I was one of these days going to count Justin's wins versus losses with Sterling's song game. <laughs> um well, I did I did not myself do this homework yet, but a good friend of ours who is a big fan of the podcast, Kurt Anderson, he actually um, heard that. And so he kind of helped me out a little bit with it. So thanks, Kurt, for that. That's awesome. And so we have an actual score of Jason's wins versus losses on the song game. All right, Jason, do a drum roll. Uh. <laughs> That was good. So as far as Justin's wins, he has 30, 30 wins. Okay. As far as Justin's losses, he has 30. Fuck so. you, Kurt. <laughs> 500, baby. All right. If that is solely based on episodes we have released... They're True. At, yes. At, so by this recording, you have taken three additional losses since then, Jasper, with no additional <laughs> wins. You are and do have a losing record. We don't know yet. Those have those don't count right now. They do five hundred. We if so if this was before <laughs> that, so this would be everyone that we've played before Terminator Two. So you took a loss right. on Terminator Two. You took a loss on Step Up to the Streets. And you took a loss today. That is three additional <laughs> losses. But but that those uh, those have not been officially released yet. So they haven't been released, moment, but they have been recorded and they do count. I mean, but in this Terminator moment right now, coming time, up in moments, I'm five hundred in this moment right now in this bubble of time. No, in I this bubble of time, you until, are three below. Until, no, until yes. those are really officially released, I have 500. But we know, Justin, we know. <laughs> you can say that Just all you want, this but moments. in your heart let of hearts, you know you are 30 and 33. 
Let me enjoy these moments, though. I'm going to enjoy this moment. Justin. You couldn't let you enjoy it for a night. You couldn't. Justin, you do know that now that that's officially that was counted like that, I'm just going to make it even harder now that I know that you're that close. Right. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's just going to get harder. I'm going to end up like doing shit like, Justin, sing me a song that you don't know. So by default, if, if you sing anything, you lose. <laughs> so maybe, if it helps, uh, I haven't tallied up my losses versus wins yet, but apparently it's atrocious. So we'll see how that goes. I I should have that by next time. Well, just I need to know. I, I now know I need to step up my game. I got a little lackadaisical in there, and was just kind of <laughs> handing out too many wins, just assuming that I was far enough ahead for it to not matter. <laughs> man thank you kurt anderson for this revelation the time (laughs) of lenient and benevolent and merciful sterling is no more dang i've Uh already thought of what you're gonna get on the next one justin you're not gonna like it either (laughs) oh great well, see, well, well, Kurt, I think we've opened up the floodgates, but no, um, he, that's pretty cool that uh, he actually went through and counted and tallied that up. That That's pretty cool. Yeah. And actually, you know, when I added me. him, like right away, I added him and I had posted a recent match that I had about a couple of weeks ago and I noticed that he liked the match like he watched it. And I was like, all right, man, this dude's pretty cool. So, again, thanks, Kurt Anderson, for participating and listening, man. We appreciate Fuck it. Fuck you, Kurt Anderson. <laughs> Are you trying to lose fans right now? What's going on? Nah, fuck him. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you're a fan of this show and you don't like me saying fuck you to you, what are you listening to? Are you really a fan of the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just he saying. it with love, Kurt. It was with love, Kurt. It's with no, love. it wasn't. Yeah. Fuck him. Now I know, like, <laughs> he pointed out, the you know, my benevolence. <laughs> and that was wrong to do so. And you you would never it, want someone to know that. Fuck yes. that. I wouldn't know we know I'm being all fucking nice and giving Justin points all willy-nilly. <laughs> I mean, I thought we were having a nice little fun game, kind of like whose line is it anyway, where the points don't actually matter. Now they do. <laughs> and it's odd. Oh, no. And Justin shall pay the price. Probably me, oh. too. That's fine. Oh, Lordy. Oh, yeah, Justin. Just you wait. Just you wait. And on that note, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Ooh, my nose is a little too stuffed up. I got and I didn't. I kind of got a little out of breath by that. That's not good. Ugh. Uh oh. It probably didn't help that I smoked like nine cigarettes while we fucking recorded this. Uh, check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram <gasps> at Twitter underscore slayer or twitter fuck me as cinema underscore slayers (laughs) we are doing another uh essentials movie this week and we will probably change it up next week who knows we haven't talked about it yet uh so just keep checking us out because i mean movie theaters closing the fuck back down apparently uh the second largest chain in the united states is reclosing this week until the end of the year at least because the new james bond movie got pushed back to next year uh, everything DC's releasing or Warner Brothers releasing is pushed back, except for Wonder Woman. 
which oddly enough, they still have that on Christmas Day, which actually might mean it's going to HBO Max because they pushed it back every other property they have coming out this year. Hmm. So who knows? We shall see about that. Uh, that also kind of lends credence to the whole idea that Pixar's soul might be actually moved to Disney Plus because it shared the Thanksgiving release date with the James Bond movie and it hadn't been pushed yet. So there's a lot of talks that maybe on that date, instead of being theaters, it will be uh, Disney Plus. So, yeah. And yeah. all these uncertain times, just remember, I don't know, we'll always find something to fucking talk about. I mean, even if it is me sitting here talking about just movies I hate, I will do an episode on that if that's what needs to happen. If I just need to start listing movies I hate off the top of my head and giving my own like synopsis of them. I'll do an episode on that if it's needed because I do anything for the fans, which includes saying, mm. fuck you, Kurt Anderson. <laughs> I am not anything. If I am not a man of the people, that's all I'm saying. So on that note, guys, remember, according to Justin, I say on that note a lot, don't I? Cause I say on that note, let's cue the intro music. I'll say on that note. Thank you for listening. Then I always end all that with on that note. Remember, guys, according to Jason, I say that a lot. I need to change it up. You don't always say on that note with the Jaston thing. That's only sometimes. Still, yeah. I say it a lot. I feel like that's a weird saying that I don't say any other time except when I'm recording a podcast. I don't think I use that phrase any other time in my existence unless I have a podcast microphone in front of my face. And on that note, <laughs> rumor guys, according to Justin Moon Knight is best picture winner. Ten things I hate about Sterling. I hate how he talks about the Cowboys. I hate how he doesn't like that I'm 500. I hate how he said, fuck you, Kurt Anderson. I hate how he doesn't like Marvel movies. I hate how he doesn't like certain movies that I like. I hate how he always has to be right. I hate how he always has to make me sing songs that I don't know that I'm singing. You should also hate that you only listed seven things, dumbass. Oh, man. <laughs> See, and there's the other three right there. <laughs> smart remarks, smart remarks, smart remarks. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm counting on my hands and going, all right, let's see if he hits 10, 7. I'm like, what the fuck? You didn't even let me get my breath. I was just getting a breath. <laughs> you didn't even let me say it. See, Justin, there you go. Justin, I have done Seven, enough eight, of those, those sing me a songs when I know whether or not you have an answer. <laughs> I know what a Justin silence means, whether or not it's a breath or not. That was you just going, I thought I hit 10. I mean, come on. I don't See. hate all Marvel movies. I just hate all the ones released in like the last two years. <laughs> I mean, it's safe to say I like 100% of the Marvel movies I've seen in 2020. Oh, that's zero. <laughs> yep. I do. God, I, I, hate you. I mean, I, I mean, I got burned out on man. I mean, that's reasonable. There's 23 of those movies. And for long periods of time, I was rewatching all of them for the next movie. I got burned out and I did it to myself. I know this. I got burned out. That's fair. That's reasonable. <laughs> See, I'm nothing but fair and reasonable. And you guys took advantage oh. of it, took advantage of it. Now I'm going to have to rule like doom. 
with that fist of oh, iron. Oh, God. Oh, God. And you shall be my be left area. I'm going to list 20 things next episode. Oh, you will after that, that, that beginning of that one. I'm already ready. And to quote Hamilton once again, just you wait. Oh, man. Alexander Hamilton. <laughs>